Hello and welcome to BIA's Leading Local Insights podcast, where we examine the trends, technologies, platforms, and industry activities related to local media revenue. I'm Rick Ducey, BIA's Managing Director, and I'm here with Sinclair's Chief Operating Officer and President of Broadcast, Rob Weisbord. As COO, uh, Rob leads operations for the company and its owned and operated television stations, national networks, including Tennis Channel and Stadium, multicast networks, and all digital and streaming platforms. Um, and I'll double check to make sure that's accurate because I know you just announced uh, a slight reorg or yeah, relabeling of things. Is still that... accurate, though. So okay, so. good. All right, good. It's good to be accurate, <laughs> but I want to double check on that. So, Rob, welcome. Uh, welcome to BIA uh, Leading and Local Podcast. It's so great to have you. Um, uh, I always you're um, you know, the things you say, you're so insightful and have such a long term vision for the industry and Sinclair just has this brand of committing to it. And you're one of the key drivers behind that. I'm really excited to have this chance to dig into a few topics that, that are pretty leading edge, actually, in the industry. So thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Rick. Pleasure to be here. So um, one thing that I know you've been passionate about um one element of your vision for how media can succeed in these various missions of serving audiences and communities and businesses and, um, you know, the companies themselves, the concept of share of wallet, the media marketplace has really opened up. Um, and now we are moving from an era of silos, you know, sort of digital and linear and uh, all these different pockets. Uh, BIA tracks 16 different local media ad supported platforms, and that's really becoming more integrated um, by by demand uh, from agencies and uh, brands uh, and also by audiences. You know, audiences move seamlessly across these different media channels, and so must therefore uh, broadcasters and other media operators, uh, but it's a lot of friction. It's kind of harder done than said. So it's long been your vision uh, that the role of Sinclair's TV and digital assets and local markets that you serve is to provide a comprehensive set of integrated marketing solutions that can be successfully applied, uh, applied to your advertisers, uh, branding and consumer engagement goals. So it's not like sort of the old days where the TV seller goes in and says, how many spots can I set you up with today? It's, it's really a palette. I mean, what are your needs, uh, local business? And here's what we can do to help you achieve those local needs. So the days um, of local TV stations putting sellers on the streets to drive local spot sales primarily, or sometimes only, um, are coming to an end. Uh, TV stations these days have dozens of marketing solutions. I think when we've talked, Rob, um, it's it's I don't know, like it depends how you define a, a solution, but you know, approaching a hundred different solutions. So it's a very complicated set of solutions that can be matched to local businesses, um, advertising and branding goals. But still, we have this culture where TV sellers, particularly more senior ones, have established a career and a presence in a market, a relationship with advertisers, where they're extremely successful. Uh, and don't want to lose that, but we just need to change the culture. So part of your vision uh, with this share of wallet concept is where the pot of gold is at the end at the end of the rainbow, if you will, is all local market ad spending, not just TV ad spending. So for BIA, we're saying for this year, 2023, 
all paid media will generate $165 billion in spending versus $19 billion that local TV will take out. Um, and local TV comes from over the year and it's owned digital, mostly it's owned and operated assets. But um, part of the share of wallet, and that's what I'd like you to talk about. What's, when you say, when you think share of wallet, what the vision is, and it really means a different culture uh, to get at that full spend of $165 versus just TV sellers elbowing, going after the $19 million. So tell us a little bit about your concept of share of wallet and how you're realigning your culture to really maximize the opportunities there. Yeah, I think you hit on it with that, the 165 number. And when you look at that as $165 billion, it's a whole lot of money. And in the early days, it was easy to do what was termed spots and dots because you had limited amount of choices of solutions. In this digital age, and we've been preparing for the digital age and building for the last 15 plus years from a rudimentary to much more sophisticated solutions, uh, utilizing demand side platforms and uh, and the nuances wrapped around that, you know, CTV, OTT over the last couple of years have become prevalent. Social media, you know, you have to stay on top of where the eyeballs are going. It's very finicky without a lot of brand loyalty. Uh, as you could see, what was the flavor? It started with Facebook and Snap at one point was there. TikTok is now <laughs> the current flavor. And uh, the clients need to be where the eyeballs are at. There's a top of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel. And the belief system is that branding without a brand, it doesn't matter where you're at, is that you got to get brand awareness and then the digital assets activate. But uh, what hits home and what hits home for the organization that we we drive home is that in the Sinclair markets, based on BIA data, is over the next three years, starting here in 23 through 25, our own growth in ad revenue we see is at $11 billion. But the $11 billion growth is through digital while over the air remains a very strong medium but a mature business uh basically flat with advertising but it's a significant number and what we train our sellers for is to be relevant in today's world and the great thing about our sellers is we don't cap their incomes so the smart sellers grasp the training grasp uh the vision because it's a pay raise for them. And the only folks that can get a pay raise of any big significance is those sellers out there that, you know, the adage carpe diem sees the moment is those seeing, and we have a lot of them that are, we recognize our top sellers with circle of excellence conferences and, uh, and their knowledge and depth and breadth is outstanding. And the questions they ask are at a very heightened level. So, that's our feedback loop that we're making a difference on the the frontal lobes. So that um, is pretty inspirational, and it's great to see that happening in the marketplace. It's it's I think a bigger um, challenge slash opportunity than than you might think, but it really is. I mean, you're changing human nature and you're meshing dynamics. You know, while things are going on in the industry to really drive that change and benefit from it, you know, for all involved, uh, media as well as 
the advertisers. So to, to do that share of all of vision, we go after the full spend with uh, a panoply of um, different kinds of solutions. Uh, um, there's some operational elements that need to come into place. And, and so one thing is the culture and the target and how you organize and incentivize people. It's your ticket, right? It, you know, how much do you want to make? Oh, we've got a lot of different solutions you can bring to your advertisers. That's all great. But then there's sort of the rubber meets the road thing where you have some tactical operational things that, that need to happen to support that that business vision. Um, unified ad platform is one sort of topic. And the other one is dynamic pricing uh, to have all this business flow through in, in a um, as seamless way as possible. So you're, you're really achieving business goals here. Let, let's start first with unified ad platform. So your share of wallet vision is so integral to future revenue growth opportunities in local TV by empowering sellers to go beyond spots and dots into a full set of marketing solutions that are really creatively constructed around an understanding of their needs. Um, that's great. But then you have all this ad inventory. Um, how do you, you know, traffic it? How do you, how do sellers and and um, the people in this whole workflow? It seems like it's not just the media that has all these silos. It's actually uh, the workflow. It has been siloed traditionally, and there hasn't been really one integrated digital plus linear uh, plus other marketing elements even. Um, system for managing inventory so that if you put a you know whether it's dsp or you know the old insertion order uh, kind of uh, workflow entry point there's a lot of complexity to manage how, how are you dealing with that yeah there is and that's where the friction happens uh, you typically find your best sellers are probably the worst in paperwork and diligence because <laughs> um, they they want to go sell and right that's a good thing and we don't want to hinder that enthusiasm and their core expertise. So it's been a vision for for almost eight to 10 years, how, as we were building out our product categories of how to make the buy sell easy, right? And not have disparate presentations. And so uh, we've just launched the first phase uh, this week, yesterday of uh, the unified ad platform. Uh, what we're facing is the merging of the legacy business with the modern day so-called media company. And the systems always lag behind technology. And so we had to go out and build this with the help of operative. Um, and it's a very complex build, but to be able to warehouse all the assets we represent and to be able to present it in one formal uh, avail system. And we could show that, okay, here's X if you buy linear, and here's X plus Y by adding these digital assets, meaning here's the increased reach and frequency. So you're verifying instead of just saying that you need to do both, you're mathematically proving it to the buying community, which I think is one key step. And uh, the unified ad platform is really will be a gateway to the billing, to the insertion orders. And so it was built with um, open API so we could and all our vendors now need to have APIs that could come in because we want a single system for our sellers to work through and our management team to work through. Uh, so you could get a glimpse of our avails, you could get a glimpse of the rate card. Uh, you are able to put your presentation and your uh, 
and proposals together through this unified app platform. And so the whole key is to take the friction away from buy sell and notoriously linear broadcast has been uh, not automated and has a ton of friction that uh, has money that would potentially moves away from our industry. So we're trying to take the complexity out of the buy sell process. Certainly a noble undertaking. And yeah, that's been a long time in coming. So it's great to see this kind of progress. And the idea of automating workflow, reducing workflow steps, you know, of course, that media side has has been a big pain point. Um, so it's great to see you addressing this in, in you know, an initial phase. And I'm not sure how many phases are involved, but it's also on the buy side. Um, and there's, I guess, intermediaries um, uh, in the marketplace that facilitate buying and selling and so on. Um, how, how um, I guess, um, you, so the unified ad platform from the media perspective, how, how do you see the buy side agencies and brands? Are they kind of up in their games uh, the same way with integrated cross-platform? Um, yeah, I, I think you're seeing it. Uh, I think a portion of that, every buy is going to CTV. Uh, yeah. I think there's a big classification now uh, early on in uh, the emergence of streaming uh people weren't distinguishing ott from ctv right and and that connected television is that gateway and this is where the merging of is it digital is it linear is it's almost back to when uh are you watching cable are you watching broadcast <laughs> exactly <laughs> no they're watching content so it always That's comes right. down to relevant content right and why broadcast is so strong is it's community focused right you see all broadcasters giving back to the community holding uh folks accountable to deliver on what they say their promises are and um you know we just recently won a investigative reporter award uh here in baltimore there's only one given and it's really holding it's called project baltimore but it holds the school systems accountable so oh. And that's what the distinguishes is that we are in our communities as broadcasters and linear has a place and it will always be that place. And right. I think uh, that, but as a consumer of content, all you want is the, right. the easiest gateway into uh, to that content. Yeah, it's no doubt about that. If you watch audience behavior, um, that's what they're doing. And like you're saying, follow the eyeballs, follow the ears, because they're going to find that content that they like. So you need to be there. So the go from share of wallet, uh, kind of working our way through this um, thread here, and then into the unified ad platform. That's how you stage, manage, transact inventory. Uh, but there's one more, at least one more piece, maybe more. Uh, how is that inventory Priced. How how does the demand and supply you know achieve some sort of equilibrium so that the advertisers are saying yeah I mean my money is being put to work fairly and effectively and uh, your inventory is being valued properly by the demand side so we get into dynamic pricing yields management and you know that gets into I guess these days complex math and AI and everything to try to to do that match in a way that's effective credible. Um, and I suppose to some extent transparent. I mean, people trust. Yep, that, that's a that's a meaningful result. We believe it. So for dynamic pricing, I know that that's also something that has has been a, a strong initiative of yours. Yeah, it's how I define it is if you think you're booking a five star hotel 
and you end up walking in and go up to the check-in and they say, oh, sorry, sir, sorry, ma'am. Uh, we've oversold the hotel, <laughs> but we have a hotel right across the street uh, that we'd be glad to put you in. You're not going to tend to be happy. And so you relate this to levels of preemption and okay, I thought I was buying a six o'clock news, but I have two late fringe spots for you instead of the six o'clock news. Uh, the buying community has to figure out what the original buy is and where all the spots are going, and then you have friction. And if you just use dynamic pricing and you have a tool set, because with dynamic pricing comes the effectiveness of the unified ad platform and a CRM system as well. Um, right. And so they all are like the conductor playing the orchestra, all have pieces to make everything run smoothly. But with dynamic pricing, it all allows you to play an X and Y curve. And a lot of folks pricing uh, broadcasts don't have an economics background. And you're asking <laughs> them to do something out of core competency. And then it goes down to who taught you how to price and who taught that person how to price. and I don't think you can be smarter than an artificial intelligence system uh, and quantum computing that's going on today that it takes a human element as well of understanding what's in your pipeline and looking at history and history doesn't always repeat itself. So that's where the human factor comes in. But right. the recommendations gives you a much further start and gives you confidence to uh, raise your rates and not just kind of shove the inventory in and let me figure it out after I get the money. It gives you confidence that you're maximizing revenue because a proper dynamic pricing system is set up to maximize revenue. Budgets are always an arbitrary number that's a best guess situation going into a year. Right. But the dynamic pricing in the moment as business is being booked allows you to maximize revenue. And that might mean lowering rates or accepting a, a lower sellout than you normally perceive to have. But you can right. now mathematically prove that you've maximized revenue. Yep. I mean, that's uh, it's good to have that confidence. And, and like you're saying, a quantitative backup to show, yeah, that was a good decision. This wasn't just got or throwing darts at the dartboard. Uh, so that yes, you know right. adds a data science element to things. So you know you you can really drive the business forward in a meaningful and substantive way that's um, you, you can trust you're making good decisions. And you could break it down just to simplistic math. If you were charging a hundred dollars a spot, but yep. the mar market's soft, and now you make it fifty dollars, you just discounted your rate by fifty percent. But now it's in the buyer's computer at $50. Right. <laughs> now you want your $100 back. Well, that's a 100% increase. Okay. Yeah. And what decade do you get back to the $100, right? Because yeah. <laughs> a 50 bucks, a 10% increase, which we don't get typically, is $55 rate now. And it's um, the system will allow these what ifs to play out. So you make a much better judgment. And uh, we have a yield team of specialists in X and Y curves and some of the folks that know uh, dynamic pricing as an advisory board to the stations that uh, help with this implementation. 
that's all fascinating. Um, good luck with all of that. I think, you know, the industry clearly needs that kind of thinking and build out of systems and establishing a good value point like that um, using the tools we have now, both human and AI, like you're saying. So th- the last area I wanted to get into is, is um, still probably a bit out there. The TV industry, local TV industry is making um, some good progress in rolling out ATSC 3 uh, or 3.0, uh, and as it's branded on the consumer side, next-gen TV. Um, I think we're somewhere over two-thirds coming up to um, 75% of U.S. households have probably multiple um, next-gen TV signals available um, in the markets. And right now, it's um, maybe the services aren't utterly remarkable at this moment because the, the focus is on making the signals available, and there's not that much spectrum to do a lot of cool things right now because the signals have to be piggybacked uh, for, for the moment. But at some point, the ATSC3 spectrum opens up and broadcasters will have the capability to use much more uh, data to provide a lot of services uh, over the air, linear services, interactive services, first-party data, attribution, uh, personalized um, geographic, uh, geo-targeting kinds of things. So a lot, a lot of things in a mix. And um, um, as is typical in my experience, Sinclair is sort of um, at the front of this again and has been for years, uh, not just thinking about enhancing the, the content, the TV experience, but also some revenue um, ideas in other areas, connected cars, um, uh, digital signage, um, spectrum leasing um, to other parties, uh, maybe maintaining a, a data casting network. And Sinclair has been investing in a bunch of different companies, uh, BidPath, One Media, Sankia Labs, uh, doing some deals with um, uh, South Korea Telecom. So, the, I mean, of all the different things that are wiggling and moving ahead in ATSC3, um, if you lift up the covers, um, most likely there's some Sinclair initiative going on there. So, so how do you see ATSC3, I guess both being a little bit visionary, you know, where are we going to, when might these kinds of visions happen, but also dialing it back today. I mean, I, I literally have people from agencies um, calling us at BIA saying, so we're so excited about next-gen TV, you know, who do we talk to at TV groups to buy a next-gen TV ads? It's like, wait, it's 2023. You may want to hold the line a little bit. So what, what's up with ATSC3? What do you what do you what do you see going there? What kind of things are you building towards? Yeah, I think uh, there'll be a big showcase uh, during NAB in a uh, couple weeks. And Mark Aiken, who heads up One Media, has always been at the forefront of ATSC 3.0, along with Dell Parks. Uh, you know, our president of technology. And you hit on a lot of opportunities. Data as a service is very big. Uh, You know, we'll be displaying a broadcast app that allows you to pick up the 3.0 signals that will also allow you to play radio stations and uh, your D2 uh, signals. And so that'll be readily available and it's now where in a couple of our markets that we've deployed and i think the industry is coalescing around it but you know i'm excited about the potential of infotainment inside cars where currently mm-hmm. you have sirius xm or carplay that uh you have to believe in the future forward uh thought process and the future forward is driverless cars so what will people want to do they want to watch television or and be entertained by their local radio stations and 
ATSC 3.0, and the technology will allow that to happen. And it'd be as simple as, as you're buying a car or leasing a car, do you want this as an additive? And we believe there's big opportunity there. Um, from a delivery of content, what excites me is that you go from local news to hyperlocal news. So think about breaking your DMA into whatever quadrants you want. And the first A block has a talent that is associated with the neighborhood. And so now you have a neighborhood talent that you get to know and you get to see relative content based on your radius versus the whole DMA that you might not care about. And that really hones in on serving the community even in a much deeper way. And then obviously, you having first party to match with third party and location-based data helps serves the advertiser to a great degree. So that waste circulation um, uh, gets minimized as well as uh, you know exactly where the audience, when the audience is viewing you. And I think that's key as well, because I believe that unless you're inside the glass or actually knowing what's going on when you go to a panel, Panels always have a statistical deviation and, you know, how great can be the deviation be? I've seen such large deviations that you could be an A student or a D student right. all at once, right? So <laughs> I you love know, that. If, you, if you wanted to lay in that deviation, it's a very scary situation <laughs> that billions of dollars get spent on a, on a large deviation. And so right. I think that uh, you're able to serve that message when that message needs to be served and into the area that needs to be served. So, and I think we're just at the early front of, of the capabilities. I think that there's trials and errors to be done, but the capabilities are so immersed, even with uh, upgrading security systems, upgrading software mm -hmm. to cars, right? Uh, that we just have a ton of opportunities and you have to just layer it in a, in a flow uh, what you want to attack first. Yeah. Well, I'll say um, from pricing that impression to building a future of driverless cars, um, not too much going on um, on your watch, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's what gets you out of bed, but it's <laughs> it's you have to have that, in my mindset, a future forward. Today, we'll always take care of today, but you have to have your eyes on the horizon of where things are going. You got to believe. And, um, you know, you're just one of the industry visionaries. And it's not just, I mean, it's one thing to be a visionary, but it's a big challenge to make it happen. So it's just been fascinating as long as I've known you to, to see how you take that vision and translate it into accomplishments. You know, not everything works, uh, but that's right. Um, but a lot of it does work. And that that's really important. Um, yeah, any, the, the culture that we try to build is don't be afraid of failure. Yeah. Okay? Um, figure out what the art of the possibility is and don't be afraid of failure because you could always learn from failures as well. Exactly. You know, that's probably a good place to leave this. Uh, Rob, thanks you so much for sharing your vision and uh, all the different things you're doing as building blocks to make uh, Future Forward happen. It's always exciting to watch what you're up to and, and what's coming up next. Uh, so again, thank you so much. It's a great privilege to be able to share some time with you here. Thanks, Rick. Um, I appreciate it.
Cool. And uh, to everyone who joined us today, thank you so much uh, for, for being with our podcast. We look forward to having you join us again soon. If you want to see what we're up to, uh, a couple ways you can do that. One is check out our website, www.bia.com. Um, we have events, podcasts, so we have complimentary reports, um, a lot of different kinds of content that we make available for the industry to help develop some thought leadership and share thought leadership from great people like Rob. Uh, we also have a daily newsletter that's free, and, and we get good comments on that. If you go to our website, you can um, learn about the newsletter and, and see how to subscribe to that. Um, until next time, Rob, thank you again, and thanks everybody for joining us. Take care.